You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. For, for, all, things, for, for all things KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwert. Guys, our first episode of 2023, and we get to talk about a win but it was another close game, 27-24 against the Broncos at Arrowhead. What are our thoughts on this one? <laughs> well, oh man, you know, it'd be cool if they stopped being the only team in the NFL that made Russell Wilson look like a semi-capable quarterback again. Right. That, that'd be nice. I mean, I'd love to just come on here and be like, a win's a win, because there is a portion of that. Especially when you're playing for the one seed, especially when you made mistakes again, especially when you turned it over multiple times again. So all of those things could have played out, but it's really hard to watch or sit through an entire football game when it is painfully obvious to everyone watching the game who the more talented and better team is. And then at any point in the game, first quarter, half, third quarter, or the end of the game, you look at the final score and you're like, why? Why is it close? You're clear. Like, we can see that you're better. It's not even like one of those games, Nick, where the worst team plays like the good team like the Raiders versus the 49ers today. It's not even like that. It is clearly one team is better, and yet the score is close the entire time. Yeah, I, I keep doing that during the game where I'm saying, okay, this team sucks. I go back to the same thing, my, my conspiracy theory that the Chiefs try to score the exact amount of points to win every single football game without going over, right? It's like... <laughs> It's like uh, the price is right. You know, they don't want to they don't want to score too many points. They're saving them for later in the season. But then I, you know, I get in the car and drive home and then you think, okay, well, they're winning football games. And it's not a given in the NFL. The NFL is weird compared to like basketball, right? Where you play three games a week. So if you have a bad game in 48 hours, you have the chance to shake it off and prove that, okay, that was a one off. We're actually good. In yeah. football, you have a week. We have a week. We have six days to sit there and think about it and talk about it and wonder why things didn't go exactly the way that they planned. But in the end, we're going to get to the end of the regular season. This team is 13-3, and three, and they are, as it currently stands, the one seed in the AFC. Now, if you're listening to this... Let's go. Yeah, later on Monday night, that might not be the case. So, <laughs> like, doesn't it... Doesn't it isn't it kind of hard to sit here and nitpick when you... You have to compare the Chiefs to their competition, not to themselves. But because they have been so ridiculously good under Reed and Mahomes, I feel like that's what we're doing when we're getting upset that they're not winning by enough. We're comparing them to our expectations for them, which is why not just win every game by 10 to 15 points when the reality is compare them to everybody else in the AFC. If you do that, they're going to come out and stack up really well. It's hard because like this was a tough day for that because 
all the teams you played closer games than you should have got their ass kicked, right? The Rams got their ass kicked. The uh, Texans got their ass kicked. The by by teams that you might play in the postseason and the Jags and the Chargers. And it's just like, ah, you know, it sure feels like that. And then you go to point differential and you realize that the Chiefs are third or fourth in that stat and have been somewhere in the top five for the entire year. And you're like, okay, just so you know, what they win by is more than what most teams win by on average all the time. So just as a heads up, this is not the way that it works. I get, and I, you know, like I used to try to forgive divisional games because divisional games are weird and they are closer than they should be sometimes. And that happens a lot. I found myself this year, not wanting to do that with the Broncos because they were such a laughing stock. But we'd said in the podcast, and I think there's something to specifically this game. I was more frustrated after the last one versus this one against Denver because Denver actually had some things going. They had a coach who got the interim coach boost. I think that's a real thing. He shockingly, I don't know what the hell took so long, put Russell Wilson outside the pocket, like play action and moved him. Things that a coach should have been doing with him literally the entire time. So maybe Russ was only going to listen for this one game and that was the way it worked. And by the way, it's not like Russ lit the world on fire, even regarding that. And Denver's defense played more close to their caliber of defense than they did the last time out against Kansas City. So those things to me can equal a close divisional game. There were a couple times in this game when I thought Kansas City might put it away or was getting ready to put it away and they were unable to do so. But we were one stop in the fourth quarter away from the Chiefs going up like 13 or 14 and then being like, well, it was closer than it should have been for a half. This game ended two touchdowns apart. So I feel like I don't know if you guys agree. I found myself way more frustrated after that last one than just a grinded out division game this time. Yeah, I was sitting there thinking, are we really going to start the new year off with a loss to the Broncos? But every time (laughs) I think that they turn it around in the fourth quarter. Nick, you were at the game. What was the vibe like at Arrowhead? Weird, like sort of frustrated, a lot of moans and groans. Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, is it going to be one of these games? Like, it's Arrowhead. So in the moments where the crowd needed to, you know, bring energy, it brought energy. But a lot of the offensive drives, right? It was more on the offense than the defense, because going back to expectations, there are unrealistic expectations for this offense, which is they're going to move the ball down the field and score a touchdown on every drive. So when they sort of stall or when Mahomes threw an interception in the end zone, it was like, are you kidding me? Like against this team, right? Is it going to be another one of those weeks? And I feel like that is a theme. There is this expectation that the Chiefs are going to make bad teams look good. And that's kind of what they did on Sunday versus Denver. It's been a theme, but we're getting the win. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard when a team goes 14 and three. Nobody, nobody on this podcast and certainly no one in the real world like looks at their 14 and three like the way the Vikings are. No one thinks paper tiger. No one thinks the Chiefs are a complete fraud. We all we all think the Vikings are a fraud. We're like, that's a fraudulent team. That ain't going to last. Or the 11 and 0 Steelers team from a couple of years ago. We're like, that's fake. That's not real. And we know it's not real. The Chiefs have had way too much success over the last half decade to give them anything but the benefit of the doubt that sometimes they just play bad against good teams or against bad teams. Like it happens, right? So what? But they win and they go to AFC title games and all that stuff. I do not think they're fraudulent. I think uh, I think there's probably some truth to the idea that Andy coaches a little conservatively in games like these that don't matter. Now, yeah, they matter in terms of playoff seating, 
but you're not attacking this game the way you would if it were the Chargers. You're not attacking this game the way you would if it were the Bengals or the Bills. And I think with two weeks to go in the regular season, knowing that, yeah, we want to get the one seed, but at what cost, right? Let's maybe let's maybe keep a few bullets in the chamber because we know the postseason's less than a month away. Look, you might be able to treat the Raiders game differently next week if the Bills do lose. You'll listen to this podcast, but if the Bills do lose to the Cincinnati tonight, maybe you'll be able to treat that like step on their throat. Well, yeah, week because, 18 against because then it is the one seed. It's there. Well, that's that's basically a playoff game that replaces what would have been the wild card weekend, right? Yeah. Win this week and then you get a buy next week. That is worth going all out for. Yeah. I will say it was nice to have a few calls go our way this week. Yeah, that was a pretty generous uh, offensive pass interference call. <laughs> <laughs> I would call that questionable at best. Um, look, he extended his arm. It's not that you can't by the letter of the law call it, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think if that was on the other side, Chiefs fans would probably not agree with it. Correct. And the uh, sack by Jones at the end. No, that was the NFL's fault. Fuck that call. That one still frustrates me. They spent this entire year like flagging the Chiefs for all these calls. And they didn't flag them on this one. They spent the entire year flagging and be like, hey, stop being mean to the quarterback. And they had all, they could have counted to 10 Mississippi on Chris Jones push, pushing Ru- Russell Wilson back to try not throw him down. Just hold him up, shoving him back. Like, come on, man, pull the whistle. And then they don't. And then he flips him to the ground. And I'm like, oh my God, if they call a flag here. After they had every opportunity to just blow the damn thing dead. But then thankfully they didn't call a flag. But like that, like the protect the quarterback stuff's frustrating because I thought we all agreed that at least when they're being held up to be a quick whistle on the quarterback. Agree. Um, guys, special teams mistakes reared their ugly head once again. We had a botched extra point, a missed field goal, a muffed punt by Tony. Not great. <laughs> Um, the kicking situation is really starting to scare me. Look, I, I hope my instant reaction to Twitter is, you know, like sometimes you instant react on Twitter and you're like, ah, maybe I took that too far. But at this point, we are now recording this roughly four hours after the game ended. I still think that if the Chiefs lose a playoff game, it is going to be the special team's fault. How can I not think that at this point? They turn it over as much as Patrick Mahomes does. Tommy Townsend and Butker look lost between each other on a just a just a regular 50 yard attempt. And it looks like a normal hold, like he's holding it there and the laces are out. So we're going back to this cold quick conversation. But they're still having a little chat about what the hell went wrong that they didn't like. In addition to the one that Tommy just dropped. And you're just like, I can't. How is it? How is it every time? I can't believe I, I officially am in the I've been in the mode, but like I want them to go full conservative. I, I know it sounds, but just have someone stand back there and catch it. Justin Watson did that. Just have him stand back there and catch it and nothing else. You are not allowed to return it. I'm not interested in you returning it. I don't care if you put nobody back, then you try to sell out for the block. Nobody's allowed to run forward with the ball after a punt return anymore. That's at least seven points that the special teams gave up today. Yep. Right? One on the extra point, three on the field goal, the muffed punt. Gave him the ball, what, inside the five-yard yeah, line? Yeah, Broncos scored in the very next play, right? The Russell yeah. Wilson mm-hmm. run. So that's 
And let's just let's be conservative and say that the Broncos, let's say the Chiefs. All right, I'm going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt here. I'm going to say the Chiefs would have went three and out on that drive and then punted. And then the Broncos came back down and scored three. And again, that's conservative, given how these two teams play football. So there's seven points right there. If you want me to throw in the Mahomes interception, I know that's not special teams, which is what we're talking about here. It's 14 point swing, completely different ball game. I just broke down the entire game for you. Wow. Right. That's it. That is That's the it. entire game. But game seven it. points. If, if special teams is ever swinging you negatively seven points in a game, we're talking about a major issue. And it's not the first time that it's happened this year. I'll be honest, Cody. I turned to someone. I don't think I said that that's how the, the season was going to end. But I said, would it shock you if the Chiefs season ends on a missed field goal? No. Or botched punt. Uh, if, if, the- you're, if you're telling me to predict, I'm, I'm with you. If the, season, if the season ends prematurely in the postseason, like that's how it's going to be. Because at, at some point, you don't ignore the smoke. You don't ignore the mounting evidence that this is an issue for this team. Every sport comes down to this, this very general thing. Baseball works the same way. Basketball, the same thing. You're coming down to the final 30 seconds, Nick. It's a, it's a, tr- it's a circle of trust. It's who do you trust in this moment? And if the Chiefs have a minute and a half to go and a team is getting ready to punt to them and they are down six points... I'll take my chances with Mahomes. Screw the long punt return because I don't trust it's coming. It hasn't come. And I don't think that it's just going to start happening. I'd rather just give the ball to Mahomes and find out how the cards play. I feel the same way about field goals right now. I know that there are times like today, the distance made sense to kick the field goal, right? They only had five seconds. They got down there super quick. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, fine. But if you're telling me if we get to a point where a couple of extra points get missed or an extra point gets missed early in a playoff game, you're going to have you're going to have a hard time not convincing me that I don't trust Mahomes more for two yards than Harrison Butker from 32. Because right now, if I asked you, Nick, do you trust Harrison Butker on a neutral field with guys trying to block it to kick 33 yards or Patrick Mahomes to get two? Are you sure that the answer isn't two? No, of course it is. Of course it is. At this at this point in the season. You can't be in the camp of let's just hope things get better. Right? There's one week left in the regular season. We know who these teams are. If somebody has shown you time and time again, like, hey, this is what we do well. This is what we don't do well. Believe them. This is not the time to assume that all of those mistakes that you've seen for the past four months, they're about to go away. Like I, I wish magically. I wish that were the case. And if it gets to the point where we know they're going to have to rely upon Butker for big field goals, then you know I'll be crossing my fingers and hoping it gets back to normal, but at this juncture, that's it can't be what you expect from this unit, right? It's just not a guarantee Nick, three anymore. Nick, with another relationship quote, when someone shows you who, who they are, believe them. That should, be, <laughs> that should be on like a Facebook meme, you know? <laughs> that definitely wrong. feels like what somebody changes their status to and they put feeling complicated. When somebody says who they are, trust them. Okay, this will be a good uh, barometer here because Kayla, you're the eternal optimist on the show. So if anybody were going to hold out hope that the special teams is going to be okay, it would be you. So now we need to find out where you stand on this. Oh, no. Well, I will say I used to have all the confidence in the world when we sent Bucker out there to kick anything. Same. And now I'm not feeling confident. And it scares me because he was always a sure thing. And I don't like going into the playoffs this unsure about our kicker. I so guess the one I, good thing I asked is- you guys about this last time we talked about special teams, punt returns versus kicking woes. And I think if I remember correctly, you both were on the 
side that the punt, the punt, the muff punts were a bigger issue. And we saw both of them against Denver, right? So we're not cherry picking conversations here. Are you guys still in the camp that the muff punts are a bigger issue? Yeah, no. I, I, I think they give him a short field. Now, here's the problem. Tony hasn't really done that. Um, not nearly as much as Sky Moore was doing it, but I don't like anybody else joining the parade. Like, I'm, like with, I I'm with you, Kayla. Like to me, it's still kicking because Cody, there's, I can't explain to you why the punts are an issue. I can't explain to you why, like, cause I was out yeah. on the ride home with Lindsay today and my girlfriend, she doesn't watch uh, a ton of chiefs games, but she says, it feels like every time I watch the chiefs, somebody is screwing up punt returns and I don't get why. Like it's the same guy every time. I'm like, no, that's what doesn't make any sense. They put a different guy back there. And she goes, how do you fix that in season? I go, I don't know. I think you just keep trying different guys and hope that one of them just doesn't screw up. But at this point, I can't explain to you why it continues to be an issue, which I guess means that's why I'm confident it won't continue. Whereas yeah. with Butker, like there's just something wrong there. And he's your only option at kicker. There's no other guy. You can't just turn to someone else and say, why don't you, you're not going to go to Justin Reed and say, Hey, you know what, bud, uh, you're, you're here on extra points. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to happen. So I, that's, that's still what concerns me. Like I, I, when I close my eyes and picture the season ending, it's Bucker, you know, missing a field goal wide left. And that, uh, that haunts me a little bit. I hope it doesn't come to that. All right, you guys, we as chiefs fans all have our eyes on a big matchup coming up tonight on Monday night football. How much will this game impact how you think the AFC playoffs play out? As we know, it's the Bills at Bengals. Get your popcorn ready. Considering when this game is and what time of year this game is and the two opponents, this game will directly influence who I think is going to end up in the AFC title game. And that, and by the way, that really just means between the three teams, the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills. And I'm willing to admit right now that it could be any combination of those two that I think ends up in that game. I get some 40 to 40 back and forth duel out battle. I'm going to have a hard time thinking that one of those two teams is not knocking off Kansas City to get in their way. You see one team dominate the other, then you're automatically putting them into the AFC title game. I feel like it's going to influence my decision because those two teams are so good and the direct competition for Kansas City. I'm going to have a hard time not letting that game influence how I think the AFC playoff picture is going to turn out because somebody's going to end up the Chiefs, the Bills and the Bengals. Two of those teams are playing each other. I don't know which order, but two of those teams are playing each other and it might end up being two games. It might be the divisional round and an AFC title game, but at least one of those matchups is destined to happen. So, yeah, I've seen the Chiefs against the Bills. I've seen the Chiefs against the Bengals. Now I want to see what the two of those teams look like against each other tonight. Yeah, we we joke that these are the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. They're also the three best teams in the NFL, which is just <laughs> stupid that they're all in the same conference. It's like, kind of it kind of sucks. Let's do one of those teams in the AFC or the NFC. <laughs> if you didn't exercise, if you closed your eyes and just imagined, doesn't matter who, pick one of those two teams and imagine that they don't exist. We would still be talking about how hard the AFC is. If the Bengals just ceased to exist, if Joe Burrow was never born, if the Bengals didn't have the Cincinnati didn't have a, a football franchise, we would still be looking at Buffalo saying, man, this is a really tough year. That's going to be tough to get through them. And then look at the potential wildcard opponents with the way the Jaguars are playing. The Chargers are really hot. The Ravens are still hanging around. Who knows what's going to be the case with the Dolphins? It would still be an incredibly hard division. But now there's two juggernauts in your same conference, and they both beat you this year. 
I don't know that Sunday or Monday night is going to necessarily influence me because I feel like I'm already on the far edge of where I could be about my fearfulness for this playoff run. Like I I'm confident that the chiefs are in the mix. I'm confident that the chiefs are one of the, the two best teams, one of the three best teams, but this year, I don't think that that's enough to make you confident that they're just going to steamroll their way to the Super Bowl because we've seen in the past, we know how hard it is. We know how hard, even when you have the best team, how hard it is to make it to the Super Bowl. And now you've got not just one, but two of those teams that could be standing in your way in your own conference. Well, guys, the question here is who would you rather have win, Bengals or Bills? I think obviously we say Bengals because then we're the one seed, but then you have a Bengals team with all this confidence going into the playoffs. And that's scary, too. Well, God, I mean, how scary would Cincinnati? They're already the most terrifying team to Chiefs fans. We talked about this. They're the team you should fear the most because you, you haven't beat them. But God, a, a Bengals team who have knocked off the Chiefs and the Bills and have Joe Burrow playing at like Joe Burrow's playing at an MVP level. He's just doing it in the wrong year, a different year. And Joe Burrow's stat line record, all of those things would have him as the MVP front runner. Now, he's not the MVP front runner, but he's still, by the way, he can take a step closer tonight, depending on what he does against this team. But the answer is still the Bills and the, or the, the Bengals. But the reason why you want them to win, even though it's terrifying, is I'll take my chances. The thing is, I, I will take my chances with the one seed because the way it sits right now, I don't love a second round matchup that is likely to include a currently white hot Chargers team or Ravens who have an MVP. He's not playing right now, but he'd be playing in the playoffs. I don't like that, that being the booby prize for this, but that would mean that Cincinnati and Buffalo would have to play each other before you had to play them. Like, I don't care how much you fear either of those teams. You still have to hope Cincinnati wins this game tonight, because if they win tonight, then you can get a bye just by beating the Raiders. Yeah, I think if you're just comparing the two teams without taking in a home field advantage playoff seating into account, I can't choose between the two of them, which kind of answers my question. So yeah, just give me the one seed. If I can't choose between those two teams, if I can't figure out, because people keep asking, which team would you rather face? Like neither really. They're both damn good. (laughs) And they're both, (laughs) they're both top five scoring offense and top 10. Well, I mean, like, well, I I don't know. I don't want to face either one of them. Do you give the bills any chance to lose to the Patriots in week 18? The Patriots are playing for their life again. That's worth noting. The Patriots are currently the seventh seed in the NFL playoffs, so they will be playing for their life in that final regular season game. They're just so much worse than Buffalo. Took down the the Dolphins. Yeah, I don't know. They're one of those scrappy teams. That, like they're what we in college football. They te- people always say, "Oh, they're a tough out." Yeah, they're a tough out. <laughs> the Patriots are a tough out. Like, they're not any good. <laughs> they're not going to do anything in the postseason if they make it. But they're not exactly the team I want to face in Week 18 with like. Serious playoff ramifications on the line. That'd be fun, by the way. The fact if, if Buffalo is to win this game tonight and then they end up losing to the Patriots week 18 and be like, you blew it. Mm-hmm. You, you lost to the much worse team. It was all sitting in front of you. And of course, now because of the stupid games on Sunday, now I have to fear Jared Stidham more all week. Jared Stidham, the second quarterback this year to get three passing touchdowns against the 49ers. It's just Patrick Mahomes and Jared Stidham. I don't want to live. Why do you keep saying Jared Stidham's name like that? Like it's like a very disrespectful tone. Yeah, I stand by that. It's the way you enunciate Stidham. Jared's like, come on, have some respect, please. 
What college did he go to? Do we even know that? I don't know. They played the 49ers close. Baylor. He went to Baylor, Cody. Big 12 guy. Yeah, come on. Sure. <laughs> so we all agree the one seat is more important. Also, he finished his college career at Auburn. So, I mean, I guess technically he went to Baylor. That's not where he played the majority of his importance. Oh, that's right. He went. Yeah, he was. At, yeah, he was at Auburn. Um. Yeah, Kayla, with the with the one seed with Baylor, <laughs> Baylor, not Baylor. Baylor. <laughs> uh oh, <With laughs> Buffalo. Uh, let me reset here. With Buffalo <laughs> being the team that currently possesses the one seed, it makes it more important. I don't want that team to have an extra week off to get healthy, to sit on their ass and watch everybody else duke it out. And I don't want to have to go to play to Buffalo. Have yeah. you seen what Buffalo... Buffalo is not even out of this planet. I'm convinced Buffalo is like... There's some sort of... You have to like get on a rocket ship to go play there because every time I see videos of Buffalo weather, it's like sideways sleet and everything's like... Fro it's like a frozen tundra over 10 feet of snow. I don't... It's like negative 20 degrees there every day. I want nothing to do with that city. There's no place... On this planet, I would rather not go play a football game than Buffalo, New York. And it's not even like I have this profound respect for the Bills home field advantage. It's just that that weather, that whole situation, every vibe. We want to do a vibe check on Buffalo. Negative <laughs> vibes. They give up nothing but negative vibes. I want nothing to do with it. By the way, the first time my house was buried in 10 feet of snow, I'd be like, I'm fucking leaving. I'm, I'm out of here. You guys enjoy your city. <laughs> I am out of here. I will not live in this. You cannot make me. And I like snow fine. But the way it's all like piled up against their house, I'm like, just like a wily e. coyote human outprint to the house. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not doing this. It's like the Did day you? after tomorrow, 10 times a year in Buffalo, New York. I'll Hard say pass. Uh, the, the thing about the buy that is so intriguing to me is if I asked you, because I think we'd all come up with pretty similar percentages. If the Chiefs don't have the buy, I think a 50-50 shot they're playing in the AFC title game again. If the Chiefs have the bye, I think a 75% chance they're playing in the AFC title game again. That is a massive percentage swing. And it's, I think it's only, I don't think I would always put it at that percentage, but this year, based on the AFC playoff field you mentioned, Nick, that's it. Like, yeah. I don't want them going to Buffalo. I don't want them, you know, like, whatever. I just need Kansas City to be sitting in Kansas City for the divisional round game. Try to get one win against probably a very good team and then, you know, play your best football in an AFC title game. I understand that it's asking a lot, but it's asking a lot less than going through three teams in the AFC right now. Here, here. All right, we're going to move on. Um, guys, Chris Jones finished another game, which makes it five games where he's come up with a sack in a late game situation this year. What is our main takeaway from the season he's having? Well, he's great. Um, he's going to be robbed of a sack because the ref just didn't blow the whistle. It doesn't make any sense, but he didn't. So whatever. But the my feet, my fear a little bit. So there should be two fears. There's going to be the fan who says, oh, can you do it in a playoff game? Can you do it when it matters? That's when we need Chris Jones. My fear is that it feels like sometimes in those moments, the rest of the defense is doing what the rest of the Patriots team used to do with Tom Brady sometimes waiting for him to win it. Go win it for us, Chris. You got it, man. We'll be fine. We'll just stay here. You guys are fine. You, you, you got it. And I feel like that I see the defense doing the LeBron James teammate game sometimes, right? They're all kind of pushing or doing a little bit, but the game winning decisions have all been, is Chris Jones going to man up and destroy an offensive lineman today? 
And for a court for a third of the season this year, like you counted it five. I have the same number for that means a third of the season this year. Chris Jones has been the defining moment at the end of a game. That to me is indicating that somebody else isn't picking it up. Like I'm looking for a few more of those. I understand the offense is going to have the ball some of those times, but I get a little bit worried about the wait and see. Chris Jones is great. And I have no doubt he'll be good in the playoffs. I don't really care that anything that's happened before he's in the middle of a great year. They're going to play in the playoffs again. And just, I'm not going to let the one sack game define him, but he's so good this year. I just feel like he can't not have an impact. Well, yeah. And I think you brought up LeBron James. So is it not fair to wonder if Chris Jones just possesses the clutch gene? Cody. Okay, sure. Have you not heard that? Well, the only problem with that is Chris Jones has played in 15 playoff games and does not have a sack. (laughs) So that's different. It's changing this year. It's changing this year. So that's a problem. No, he has the clutch gene now. He didn't have it before, but now he has. He found it this off. Oh, he like bought it. Garage sale. Yeah. He uh, JJ Watt was (laughs) retiring. He's like, hey, man, can I have yours? I was just thinking, you know, you won't need it anymore. So that's fine. It's weird because, again, going back to the special team stuff, if they take care of their business, I think we're talking about this defense completely differently. Yeah. If special teams doesn't basically gift the Broncos seven plus points, right? Maybe 10 points, maybe 11 points. Then the chiefs are up by 18 at the end of this game or 17 at the end of this game, instead of 10, when the Broncos are driving where Russell Wilson got his second rushing touchdown, then it's not a one score game. He scores that touchdown. It's still a 10 point game and we're still not sweating this. And Chris Jones doesn't need to get a clutch sack at the end of the game. So I think context matters when we're talking about this defense, Russell Wilson didn't have a great game. He had 5.8, yards per attempt which is not impressive no, in it's bad. today's nfl uh the broncos had i still think it was around 4.6 4.7 yards per play that would be near the bottom of nfl offenses and the chiefs had four sacks so all in all i'm not i didn't come away from this game thinking anything negative about the defense i didn't feel you know Look, the, the, the main takeaway is Chris Jones is good, and that is a good thing. Chris Jones is great. That's a great thing, right? This this good news. That's good news across the board. The fact that they got four sacks again, very good news. It just feels like in those moments when they got to have it, it is, it's still him or no one, right? Like, they don't have a guy who's going to get the pick. They don't, they don't have another guy in the defensive line who seems like he's getting, like, in the middle of the game, it happens, right? Karloftis had a big play, right? In the middle of the game, Dana gets consistent pressure. We've seen Carlos Dunlap had that big tip that almost got intercepted right on the second down play. There's other big plays in the game, but in the moment, and maybe this is it. Maybe we never look at defensive players the way we do offensive players, because in offensive players, I would never argue that this is a bad thing. The Patrick Mahomes is the guy who plays the best in the big moments. Why don't the other guys step up? No, that's objectively a good thing. Great players should play great in big moments. Chris Jones plays great in big moments. I don't know why I'm keep looking for because I find myself doing it. I'm like looking for the other guy to do it. Hey, man, maybe your best player shouldn't have to win the game all the time. But maybe that's just reality. Maybe we just want to see it in the playoffs so we don't feel like you need to count on somebody else. Someone else who came up big today, Jarek McKinnon. He continues to go off. He had a two touchdown day. He's had eight touchdowns in his last five games He also became the first running back in the Super Bowl era with a receiving touchdown in five consecutive games. Guys, we joke about the importance of running backs all the time, but how much of an asset is McKinnon to this offense? I know we've knocked running backs on this very podcast, but he is having himself a season. I I, it's it is. It doesn't make sense. I guess he's really important to what they do. 
And he, if you guys remember, like it, it doesn't feel like we have to be having this conversation the way we are, but last season come playoff time, that's when McKinnon really started to matter for this team again. And at the time we didn't realize that that was going to happen. So it came out of nowhere. This time he's just starting it so much sooner that I guess I wasn't anticipating it. When did Jarek McKinnon become Marshall Falk as a receiver? <laughs> like just like five or six weeks ago, it just like happened because that's what's going on right now. He is incredibly important to what they do because he's the most reliable player they have outside of what Travis Kelsey, most likely. Well, you, you just said it, Cody. When did, when did he become Marshall Falk five, six weeks ago? What else happened five or six weeks ago? Nicole Hardman went down. Yeah. Right. Nicole yeah. Hartman and Kadarius Tony have been your line of scrimmage. And K- Tony's proven to be more versatile than that. He's just new. So they can only deploy him in a, you know, a finite amount of ways. Nicole Hardman knows this whole playbook, but we know who he is, which is we're going to get you the ball, the line of scrimmage. You are a poor man's Tyreek Hill. You can't do as much down the field stuff, but we can get you the ball uh, in the flats and you can turn it up field for a big game, make a couple guys miss because you're one of the fastest guys in the field. With his absence, you need to replace him with someone. And McKinnon has been your third down back. He has become home safety valve. And you would say, well, he's been there the whole time. Like, why didn't they use him like this the whole time? Doesn't really matter. All we know is that even when McColl does come back, McKinnon is now a reliable target. McKinnon is now somebody who Mahomes trusts. Not, not just will he, can I, can I throw him the ball? But he'll make a play. He'll make a guy miss. He'll turn it upfield and make something happen. And sometimes you just need to see it. I think when you're a quarterback, you need to see somebody do it before you can trust them. And then you'll trust them sort of reliably throughout the rest of the season. And I think that's what McKinnon has sort of created for himself. The, the pro football hall of fame tweeted about him today. I made history. He's well, I mean, when you're the first running back since 1970 to record a receiving touchdown in five consecutive games, well, that will do it. That will get the attention of the Hall of Fame. That's 60 years of NFL football, and he's the, the last guy to do it. And it's not just like you mentioned, it's it's eight in the last five games. There's a bunch of multiple touchdown games in there. I I still like my biggest thing here still is I, you know, I don't let Clyde get in the way of something good. Okay. Just don't let Clyde show up and even take five or six snaps. The Pacheco McKinnon duo works. Clyde can be active. Clyde can be active on game days and he can sit there in case somebody gets hurt. But he is officially in my, he is a break in case of a break glass in case of emergency situation. Do not alter what it is. Cause like we could have easily, like it's nice to be talking something good about Jerick McKinnon because we could have once again been talking on this podcast about how the Chiefs just won't run the ball or just refuse to do so. Or that is something they refuse to do in any game. But I understand that part of the game like today is. Jarek McKinnon is an extension of the running game. All those passes he gets near the line of scrimmage, that's Andy running the ball. Whether you want to admit it or not, that's Andy Reid running the football. That's a check down near the line of scrimmage. That's them making an effort on short yardage offense, on you know guys close to the line of scrimmage offense. And Jarek McKinnon's gotten so good that I don't, I don't get his bent out of shape in a game like this when they're not handing it to Pacheco more. You I was, go ahead, Kayla. No, you can go. Well, I just think about how the season ended last year, right? When the Bengals were basically taunting Mahomes afterwards saying, we knew he would get impatient. We knew he wanted to take shots downfield. And if we just played this way for four quarters, eventually he would start forcing stuff. That's what he did. That's how they got back in the game and ended up winning. 
now we, we spent an entire offseason talking about can Mahomes just learn to take what is being given to him? Can he take the underneath stuff? Can he take the short checkdown stuff? McKinnon is a perfect reminder that he's doing it. He's doing it every single game because McKinnon's not catching anything downfield. Actually, actually, I think there was one today where he caught downfield, but he serves as, as maybe the personification of Mahomes' growth as a quarterback, which is we have now seen him for four months take everything that's given. You, you, you want to give him nothing but checkdowns? That's fine. That's why the Chiefs are amongst the league leaders in yards after catch, and they still have more explosive plays, 20-plus yard plays from the past game than any team in the NFL. We didn't even talk about, you know, it's, you know, it's the game got weird, but Mahomes even completed a pass to himself today. As many guys as he'll complete a pass to, <laughs> add himself to the list. I'll throw to nine <laughs> receivers and myself. Now, what are you going to do about it? I love that he got a first down out of that. The, the Broncos defense froze like, oh, God, what are we supposed to do? Mahomes like, oh, I'm just going <laughs> to jog over here real quick, pick up this first down and move on about my day. There is nothing he can't do. I'm no. convinced. It's always against Denver, too. He always does something remarkable against them. Guys, are we ready for winners, losers? I think so. I think so. There's a I think there's a lot of candidates. So I'll go first. That way I'm leaving you with a lot of meat left on the bone. First, the winner of the game. And I and I very strongly considered someone in the wide receiver crew, you know, like Jarek McKinnon had a great game or maybe I was going to tell you that it was Kadarius Tony who had a good game. And maybe that'll be someone else's answer, which is good. I'm going to go with Sky Moore for a couple of reasons. Sky Moore only had three catches for 33 yards. Fine effort. Showed again that he's good in space. You can see kind of the wiggle he has inside of that. You see those plays where you're like, I want Sky Moore to get the ball more. But also, the punt return fumble today is like, see, it's not just me. So he won for two reasons. He's like, it's not just my problem that punts are going poorly. Everyone's doing it. So leave me alone. But in addition to that, I do still see games out of Sky Moore that make me think there's something untapped there. And I can still give Sky Moore the benefit of the doubt this year for all the things you guys just talked about with the weapons. There are guys to throw to literally everywhere. Noah Gray, Jarek McKinnon, Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, Justin Watson. He's up against it as far as getting targets, getting snaps, getting real looks in the offense. But anytime he touches the ball and has just even a little bit of space, I still see that spark. Cody, did you hit us with your Broncos stat about kids and... Oh, I didn't. So that was... I consider that as winners. Um, winners also across... Oh, I have two winners today. And then I'll give you my loser. Winner... The other winner is... My, my daughter is in kindergarten or in first grade. And if you are in any grade below third, so if you're in third grade or younger, you have lived your entire life not knowing that the Chiefs have ever lost to the Broncos. You're just kicking it. You're nine, 10 years old. You're just like, that's ah, fine. I don't even know what this means, right? Seven. You're just like sitting around learning about long division, not even understanding <laughs> that the Chiefs are capable of losing to the Broncos. It's a lovely day for that. The losers for me are, I think that this is, you know, like, I told you I didn't feel nearly as bad coming out of this game, but I think the loser today is the chief streak of staying healthy. Had a good run. It was pretty sweet. All those graphics of look at the healthiest teams going into the NFL playoffs were the Chiefs. I hope that this week treats them kindly, but Tooney having to leave the game, that wasn't great. And then Sneed, who was desperately trying to score a touchdown, trying to get a pick six after his interception, he left the game early. And then we saw Travis Kelsey real slow at the end of the game. I hope none of these impact the postseason, but this is the most injured I felt like the Chiefs were for a while, especially because McCall Hardman had a setback earlier in the week, too. 
Kelsey looked like he got beat up today. I didn't yeah, like he that. Did. He looked like he was going through it. Yeah. Uh, Kayla, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Um, I can go. All right. Take it away. Uh, my I have two winners as well. One is the referees. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A rare winner for them. A rare ref winner. Yes. That never happens to us. But I feel like we need to praise it when it does happen. Um, And then second is McKinnon. I'm going with the obvious answer. Breaking records. Having a day. Really coming into his own. Proving himself. I like the momentum he has as we close out the season. Going into playoffs. I love his confidence. Um, And my loser. I don't like doing this because I really like him as a person. Harrison Bucker. Mm. Well, that's feels like it's a, a pretty safe one, though. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's he might a, win. He might win. If we do a year in regular season winners and losers award, Bucker might win the losers award. Oh, he might oh. take home the trophy. What, do you what mean? a strange turn year? of events. Yeah, I never yeah. would have seen this coming. And I blame I do blame it all on the injury. Had that never happened, I don't think he would be having the season he is. OK, so my loser is going to tie into that. Uh, but I'll start with my winner. And uh, this is probably the fourth time I've given this guy the winner. I don't know if either one of you guys have given him the winner one time. George Karloftis again. Uh, of course, it's George Karloftis. <laughs> Georgie, <laughs> Porgie, pudding pie. Gets You're just like package. saying that. Of course, I like saying that. And also, <laughs> by the way, I'm also one of the winners this week because the Chiefs were holding up yellow signs on the sideline today to like signal plays. And one of them said P-O-R-G, Porge, which I am to assume means like they were trying to signal something to George. And instead of because George is too wordy, they just said Porge, which is short for Porgy. Ipso facto, the cult is strong. <laughs> uh, Georgie Porgy putting by catching on in a big way. So I'm also wow. here, But he has a sack now. In four of the last five games, also had a fumble recovery. He has five and a half sacks on the season. That would have been second on the team behind Chris Jones last season. Right. And he's already second on the team this year. So this is a guy who in, in one season, right. And he didn't start coming on until about a month and a half ago. It, it took him one year and it took him a few months to get going, but one year he is your second best pass rusher on the team. Well, and, and I, if you would have, if you would have given me that for the year without telling me what it looked like, I would have signed up for it in a heartbeat. Well, I mean, the lions have the guys who are first and second in rookie sacks this year, which is wild in its own right. Because um, Aiden Hutchinson has the most. But I mean, he does have more sacks than Kayvon Thibodeau and Trayvon Walker and guys who were taken with more pedi- pedigree and higher than him. He's third in the NFL in rookie sacks. I mean, that's that's all you could have asked and, for. And guys who have five and a half sacks their rookie year, they turn into 10 sack guys. Yeah, and that and this isn't a guy who, like the Chiefs, reached on no. at the end of the first round. He was a guy who, uh, two weeks before the draft, people thought he could be a top 15 pick. So when you take that into account that, right, this is a high, this was a, a high potential guy who fell in large part because the position that he plays was so strong in this draft. And the chiefs benefited from that of just kind of sitting on their hands and waiting for him to fall. And when you think back on that, like this isn't just someone that they, well, we need a pass rusher. Who's the best one available. It's like, no, we thought he might go top 15, top 20. We get him at the end of the first round. I think that pick is going to prove to be one of the biggest steals of the draft. This draft looks great just in general. Yeah. McDuffie, yeah. Karloft, and yeah. just looks like another really good Brett Feach draft. Thanks, Brett Beach. Yeah, that was a that was a good one. All right. My loser is Dave Tobe. Because when I go back and look at some of the, the special teams miscues today, okay, Tommy. 
didn't have the hold right miscommunication between between him and Harrison, whatever. Uh, I don't know this for a fact, but if you go and watch the Zapruder film of that missed field goal, it looks like maybe it was tipped at the line of scrimmage. So maybe we don't put that one totally on Butker. And then you have the punt return. These are all different things with involving different players, but there's only one common theme is that one guy coaches them. He's been coaching them all season long. And for whatever reason, the issues haven't went away. I don't know how to fix it, but I know how NFL teams typically try to fix it, which is bring in a new coach. Andy's very loyal, but I'm telling you right now, that seat that Dave Tobe's sitting on is getting a little toasty. Again, if it comes back to the thing at the beginning of the podcast, they lose a playoff game because of it? Yeah. Real hot. Might have a problem. Yep. I, I want to change my loser to him too. I don't like putting it on Bucker. Uh, it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> got you down for Harrison Bucker. Yeah, Sorry, fun. Nick already wrote it down. It's like locked yeah. in that way. <laughs> <laughs> He's keeping a list. It's like a ledger, an Excel spreadsheet of all of our winners and losers. Yeah, that's right. Okay, fair. Guys, wait, did we have a good New Year's? Didn't even ask at the top of the show. I was in bed before the ball dropped. <laughs> Wow. I was in my bed before the ball dropped, but I was awake at midnight. So, you know, kind of a win. I went out to dinner at 630 like an old person. I was in bed, had already picked up my kids by 915. And then I just drank whiskey on the couch until it was about time to head to the bedroom. (laughs) Laid down till midnight hit. Called it a day. Perfect. A perfect 38 year old New Year's, (laughs) if you ask me. What about you, Kayla? That sounds great. Well, we had a Kings game during the day. Um, and then I went to a friend's New Year's Eve party at their house. We had a great time. Went out for a little bit after. I was home by like two. <laughs> You're well, younger we than the, We know who had the funnest <laughs> New Year's Eve. <laughs> I stand by my New Year's Eve and I won't I won't be pushed back on that. We we actually just it was actually I didn't I didn't even feel bad the next morning because we spent a majority of the evening learning TikTok dances. So I got a good workout in as well. There you go. I also I'll think like, that that uh, that house party is the way to go on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. That that's yeah. that's the strong. If you're going to party, do it that way. That's the strong play. Agreed. All right, and with that, that's going to do it for us here on It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. He is Cody Tap. That is Nick Schwartz. I am Kayla Canaram. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. And we will be back with you all on Wednesday. 